You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode is brought to you by Peacock and Williamson. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. We have a mailbag show for you today, and that means we are going to have a lot of fun. This first question comes from Nathan on Twitter. Hi, Peter. I would be really interested to get your take on this side of the Rogers saga. For every Cobb that is kept on the team or brought back, a young aspiring player like Taylor or Bagleton, for example, don't make it. And you can make the same comparison in multiple other positions for players he listed in his interview. For him to talk about it being about the people, what is the line between bringing back savvy vets for the betterment of the team and turning it into an old boys club full of his friends? Long question, I know, which would have taken, which you could be taken in multiple different ways, but just feels like a, having a person in a position of power, Rogers, going to bat for his friends is everything we are trying to avoid in all industries and job environments to me. Really enjoy your stuff. Thanks, Nathan. Nathan, take the mic, my guy. Excellent, excellent point. Now, NFL teams don't quite work that way. But he is right to say that people getting opportunities based on being friends with the most important guy at a company or at an organization is bad business. It is just not how you have success over the long term. What Aaron Rodgers is saying um, is, look, I am a valuable resource in evaluating these things. But Nathan is absolutely right to point out the potential pitfalls here. Holding on to players too long, stunting the development and growth of other players. If Jordy Nelson stays another year, how does that affect what Marquez Valdez-Scantling is? If Mercedes Lewis stays an extra year, you know, he's on the team now and has been an invaluable resource to this team. But how would that affect Josiah DeGuara's long-term outlook or Jay Sternberger's long-term outlook or Big Bob Tunyon's long-term outlook? And if Brian Bulaga had been re-signed, how does that impact Elton Jenkins getting an opportunity to play right tackle where he might be you know, one of the best tackles in the league for the next decade and, and you didn't give him an opportunity to do that? Now, there, there are always other directions that you can take, but I think this is a good point. This is a good point about the dangers of these kinds of situations where it's cronyism, where you're, you're, you're talking about, okay, well, I think I want this guy to stay because it'll make me feel good because I want him here. You hope Aaron Rodgers is not advocating for those kinds of players, but that's also a, a tough line to walk, right? You've been friends at your office with someone that you know 
good and damn well is not the best employee at, at your business, but you like having them around. In fact, everyone likes having them around, but they're not the most productive. They're not the most useful. They're not the most creative. They're not the most thoughtful. They're not the most reliable, but people like having them around. And there's value in that. There's value in that culture. But what about having someone who is 30% less fun to be around, but 50% more productive? Isn't there value there too? Not even saying one is better than the other. Just these are questions that need to be asked. And it is true that the Packers, their priorities are to be as good as they can now while also being as good as they can for as long as they can. Roger's priority is just winning now. And so if you have to rob Peter to pay Paul, never liked that one, then so be it. That's going to be his perspective. And so it's not just a, hey, let's sign my buddies. Of course, Rogers again, thinks he's, he's going to be advocating for guys who are useful, who are helpful, who are still, you know, good. But like, you know, maybe not. Like Jordy Nelson was done. He was cooked. Some of the other guys that he mentioned, they got hurt. Their bodies broke down. And he would have advocated for them because they were good in the locker room and because he was friends with them and he thought that they would be a positive impact on the team and he would have been wrong about that. Some of the other guys he would have been right about. But you do run into this potential problem. And I think Nathan is right to point out that we are trying to, in in every other situation, break down the barriers for people to get opportunities who are being kept from getting opportunities strictly because they don't know the right people. You know, Aaron's point about, oh, my agency represents a lot of these high draft picks and I could give you insight. Okay, well, the Bucks went down this path in Milwaukee with Jason Kidd. They brought in a bunch of guys from his agency. But it turns out it was really just cronyism. It wasn't a meritocracy. It wasn't, oh, hey, uh, have you guys seen Justin Jefferson? He's really good. Oh, really? Hey, look, he is really good. Here you go. It's, hey, you know who's good? It's this guy that I work with. And, and, and I see him every day working hard. And so I can tell you, I can vouch for him, even though, you know, you didn't scout. You didn't see everything else going on. It's uh, This is why this is such a complicated situation. And and that, that line is a fine one to walk. Um, but that's what they're that's what they're looking at here. And that's what they're trying to figure out. It's why the Packers, I think, were so hesitant. But as I've said throughout this process, there are ways to involve Aaron Rodgers that are not, you know, giving him input, allowing him to just bring in his friends and do that whole thing. I, I, there are there are theoretically ways to do it. Now, are they are they amenable to Rodgers? Is he is he amenable to doing them? I don't know. I just don't know. And that's that's you know part of we we just don't have the information here. So um, we'll find out, and maybe we won't find out because maybe we won't actually go through an off season where we get to see if Rodgers and the front office come to some sort of understanding. All right, this comes from Zach in Omaha on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775 if you want to be a part of the conversation. Hey, Peter, what's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? How often do you think the Packers will use Amari Rodgers out of the backfield this year? What do you think his stat line will look like at the end of the year after factoring in the return of Cobb? Thanks for hosting the best podcast on earth year round. Thank you, Zach, for those kind words. Um, so we're going to see Amari Rogers in the backfield. In fact, yesterday at practice, he was in the backfield with AJ Dillon and 
That is something that Matt LaFleur talked about when Randall Cobb came in. They were going, yeah, we got to find a way to use Randall Cobb. But also, it means we get to we get to get a little bit more creative with Amari Rodgers. And I think you'll see Cobb playing a more traditional slot receiver role. And you'll see Rodgers, he will be doing all of the Tyler Irvin stuff and some of the Aaron Jones stuff. And he'll, they can just sort of put him everywhere, run end arounds, reverses, jet sweeps, um, those that little counter play that they ran for him as an H-back, uh, short motion, screens. There's just so many different ways to use him. On the stat line part of it, that's a more difficult question because it is so tough to peg how involved he's going to be in this offense. It's difficult to peg how involved Randall Cobb is going to be in this offense. We haven't seen a lot of Cobb in team. He's still easing his way into the system. While it is a West Coast tree offense, it is not the offense the Packers used to run under Mike McCarthy. There are a lot of similar concepts, but the the verbiage is different. Um, the calls are different. There's a lot of formations. There's just a lot of acclimating that Randall Cobb will have to get to, and, and it's not the offense that he ran last year in Houston either. So he is going to have to acclimate to all of that. The the Packers are adding a new player very late in the game. And how much is he going to be a factor here? Amari Rodgers has been in camp. They've they've had plans for Rodgers since April. So I wouldn't be surprised if it takes some time for Cobb to get acclimated into this offense. And if we see more of the gadget stuff with Rodgers early on, which I'm really excited to see. He's going to be all over the place. Now, predicting his stat line, I mean, if he has 50 total touches, I think that would be a lot. You know, 30 catches and 20 rushes, something like that. I I think that, you know, that seems like a reasonable breakdown to me. I I don't think he's going to be, unless there's injuries, like multiple injuries, and all of a sudden he has to be your wide receiver three. I just don't see him getting 80, 90 targets. Not with MVS, not with Alan Lazard, not with Devontae Adams, obviously. Not with Big Bob Tunyon. You know, Jay Sternberger has this monster day yesterday. Josiah DeGuara is back. There's a lot of miles to feed in this offense. And as good as it can be, I, it, it's hard for me to believe that he's going he's gonna to put up some monster stat line. Now, eventually down the line, yeah. I mean, I think he can, he can certainly be a, a higher volume guy in this offense. He just isn't and won't be this year. All right, this from Christian Borman. With the Packers as deep as they are on the line, do you think Cole Van Lannon has a shot to make the 53 or do you think he is practice squad bound? Cole is going to the practice squad. And I think he can he can be um, an NFL lineman. I liked his talent coming out. I think he is a great fit for the Packers at guard. Um, but you, you sneak him on the practice squad, he's going to make it onto the practice squad, I think, unless he just goes out and dominates in preseason. And if he does that, maybe he makes the team. It's just such a deep team along the interior that it's going to be really, really difficult for someone like Cole Van Lannan to make the club. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It is the best tasting protein bar I personally have ever tried. And trust me, I have tried them all. Celebrate the freedom of choice with Built Bar. You like Decadent, dessert-like flavors, double chocolate, salted caramel, cookies and cream, German chocolate. Maybe you like a little fruit with your chocolate, cherry barcia, raspberry, orange. I, I don't normally like fruit with my chocolate, but the cherry barcia flavor is a 
banger. Order today and get the grasshopper cookie or the raspberry, whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team, that of world records at the Tokyo Games. And right now, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKS15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right. Um, I love this question. Uh, and it is, uh, it's pretty funny. Hey, Peter. What's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? Uh, this is Mike from Belleville, Ontario, Canada. I am curious uh, as to uh, Devontae Adams got a 99 in that Madden uh, football game. I was wondering what you would give Brian Gutekunst, uh for his entire career. And as a GM, not just a uh, wide receiver. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, all the best. So this is this is kind of tough. We, we have to set the baseline, right? Because the problem is um, there is no there is no ninety nine GM in the league. It's just too hard a job, right? And so even even the guys who you think are doing a great job, you know, we think of Chris Ballard, we think of um, Kevin Colbert in Pittsburgh, uh, we think of Bill Belichick in New England, although Bill Belichick, the GM, is not nearly as good as Bill Belichick, the coach. He's just such a good coach that he's able to, you know, make these guys work who would not otherwise be be good NFL players in any other system. That's part of his genius as a coach. And, and of course, you know, as a GM catering um, your player selection to your your coaching style is always an important part of this. So where is Brian Gutekinds? I think let's let's look at it this way. Where is Brian Gutekinds as a GM, as a talent um, acquirer, as a team builder? And we have to include the, the Aaron Rodgers part of this because um, player um, player involvement, player relations is part of the job of being a GM, making sure your star players feel uh, enculturated, making sure they feel happy is part of a GM's job. And and to that point, he has not done a great job with some of these star players who are unhappy. That said, in terms of acquisition of talent, he has been as good as anyone in the league over the last few years. Now, the 2020 draft, you know, that one that one's a little weird in terms of like he didn't create any opportunities for high impact, high upside guys outside of Jordan Love. And until we see Jordan Love play, we can't really assess that pick. I think A.J. Dillon starts to, to pay off this year. Um, Josiah DeGuara, if he can stay healthy, starts to pay off. But in general, that's going to, I think, end up being an outlier. You go back to 20, 2019. I mean, Elton Jenkins, Darnell Savage, Rashawn Gary, those guys you know, could all be Pro Bowl players. And, and at least two of them, I think, have a good chance to be this year. And Rashawn Gary, you know, has that that upside to be there. Jair Alexander is an all pro. He's about to get paid, paid. Sidarius Smith is an all pro caliber player. Preston Smith, a pro bowl caliber player. At least he was in 2019. Adrian Amos, a pro bowl caliber player. Billy Turner, a solid starter at a position that is difficult to get. And then you know, two swing tackles in back-to-back years, guys who are going to have to play meaningful snaps for the Packers. They have buttressed an already talented team, a team that Brian Gutekunst revamped, a coaching staff that Brian Gutekunst had a hand in selecting in Matt LaFleur. 
I don't understand why he doesn't get a little bit more credit, but I guess I do because um, the Packers are never going to get the credit that that some of them, some people deserve, like Matt LaFleur, like Brian Gutekunst, because of Aaron Rodgers. It's just going to, all the credit is going to be on Aaron Rodgers, and when it fails, it's going to be their fault, and when it succeeds, it's going to be Rodgers. They're just in a no-win situation. And I, and I said this, I was on a, another show recently, and I said, I, you know, Matt LaFleur, I thought he deserved to win Coach of the Year last year. Um, and, and he didn't get it now, you know, there were probably three really good candidates. Um, I thought he was one of them and he should have gotten more votes than he got. I said, I don't think he'll ever win it with Rogers under center. Like it will take Jordan love doing it because we will not, we will not be able to fully divorce one from the other until we actually see it. Um, so yeah, I don't know how to put it in Madden terms because 99 is not the peak. Like, first of all, it's not at all clear who the best guys are. And also, no one is really a 99 the way that, like, Devontae Adams is a 99. Uh, it is a little weird that that Rodgers was not a 99, especially after being an MVP. Um, but I don't, I don't really care about stuff like that. Um, this is a question from Jay Holmes. What players do you think, if they get added onto the practice squad, other teams will pick up? That's a really good question. I think, you know, if they tried to put Juwan Winfrey on the practice squad, he would get sniped. Um, and it is it is so hard right now because we haven't seen any of these guys. Uh, here's the thing to remember about the practice squad. There are 31 other teams right now who have five guys that they are praying they can get on the practice squad. Their own practice squad. And that's before, you know, the injuries that inevitably happen and some of those guys are going to end up making rosters. And so every team has this group of guys that they really hope that they can get out of their practice squad. Everyone is more focused on their own roster right now than what's going on elsewhere. It's also really hard because we don't really know who those fringe guys are who could pop a little bit. We don't know who those fringe guys are who maybe were, were more well thought of in the draft than their draft selection um, indicated. Someone like Kylan Hill, who goes late on day three. Did he have a couple fans in the league who, if he has a nice preseason and there's just not enough spots, Dexter Williams has had a really strong start to camp. You know, Patrick Taylor, um, you know, getting some opportunities. They're not going to be able to keep all those guys. Can they sneak Kylan Hill on the practice squad without him getting sniped? Mm, I don't know. And those, those kinds of discussions, are, they, they shape the way that you build a roster. So th there aren't that many options. Um, and I think some of the guys that you might say who might get, you know, oh, Henry Black, he might get claimed. Well, Henry Black might be the third safety on this team, the way that he's playing and the way that, that he's getting opportunities. It's going to be tough to keep him off the roster given the current makeup and, and with Will Redmond hurt. So you can't, you can't say, oh, he's going to, you know, on the practice squad. No, he's going to have to be on the 53 probably. So it, it, it is in some ways a difficult question to answer. And it will be something that we will answer a little bit more as we get to the like, these are the guys that Packer fans really want to, to stay. You know, every year there's a receiver that everyone's like, oh, this guy, he's not going to make it on the practice squad. And every damn year that guy makes it on the practice squad every year, every single year. When was the last time the Packers had someone signed off the practice squad that you can remember who was that guy? I was like, oh, yeah, this guy. Everyone's going to want that guy. 
And then guess what? He doesn't get signed off the practice squad. It doesn't happen. Now, it does it happen it, like literally does it happen? Yes, of course. It doesn't happen that much. And, and yet every year we wail and gnash our teeth about it. I just think that's funny. Okay. Super off the point. Uh, of the guy, this is from Cornelius, aka at Balso Hardigan on Twitter, which is just outstanding. Um, who do you feel worse for because they didn't get a chance to play for a Super Bowl the last two years, Jamal Williams or Corey Lindsley? I go Williams, but tough call. It is a tough call. Um, I I feel I feel worse for Jamal because Detroit is a hellhole, not the city. Um, I've ever, I've actually never been to the city outside of the airport, so I have no takes on Detroit as a city. Um, but that organization, that franchise, it's just, uh, it's, it's a disaster and it's always been a disaster. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that. And he's going to see Green Bay twice a year and that sucks too. Um, Corey Lindsley is going to LA to play with Justin Herbert and they'll be good for the next five years while he's in the twilight of his career. And he's still, you know, probably in his physical prime um, for the next two years, three years. I don't, I don't feel bad for Corey Lindsley. He got hella paid. He's playing with, you know, the, the, the biggest ascending superstar at the position that we have in the sport um, because Patrick Mahomes has already ascended. He's not ascending and we'll see what Trevor Lawrence is. So I don't, I don't feel bad for Corey Lindsley. He's, he, you know, he's living in Malibu somewhere. Like, don't feel bad for Corey Lindsley. Jamal Williams is in Detroit and Detroit and not even going to start. And he's going to see Aaron Jones get a billion carries and, and AJ Dillon rack up yards and touchdowns. And he's going to be, you know, four and 13 and it's going to suck. Like that's, it's going to suck. So I feel bad for Jamal. Uh, most of all, I got a lot of questions about the financial picture. Um, Nashville Sam said, how does Goody get out of a $57 million hole? Um, I, I got another question about my favorite David Fincher movie. Um, and then what do you, what are we looking at ahead next year? Don't resign Preston Lowry, Lucas Patrick, Tanya King, and what else? So right now, according to over the cap, the Packers sit at 50 million over. That's a lot. For 2022. And that is before Devontae Adams resigns. That is before you extend Big Bob Tunyon. That is before you do a Jair Alexander deal, which we're going to get to in a second. The answer is you trade or extend Aaron Rodgers. That's that's the big nut. So if you if you trade Aaron Rodgers, you save $19.3 million on the cap in 2022. That is a huge piece. You cut Preston Smith, that saves you 12 and a half. Or you can you can re-get creative. You know, they were able to get creative with incentives and and you know all kinds of of accounting tricks to make him cost on the cap this year what he would have otherwise um, had they cut him. And that was brilliant. They can they can try and do some similar cap shenanigans next offseason. He's not the only one that they're going to have to do that with because Zedaria Smith counts $28 million on the cap next year. He is not going to play on that number. So he either needs to be restructured or 
traded and or released. Well, you can save $15.75 million with a restructure. You can, well, that's what, no, no, that's what you can save cutting him, right? If you restructure it and extend him, let's say you reduce that number by the 15 million, you get it down. So in, instead of um, counting 28, he counts the, the 12.38 in money that you absolutely owe him, the dead cap money. And you probably can't, you probably can't save all of that, but let's just say that, that they come to some agreement there. So you cut Preston, you restructure Z, you trade Rogers. You cut Randall Cobb because Rogers isn't there, so who cares? That's almost seven. That's it. That's it. We're there. $54.3 million I just saved right there. Now you extend Jair Alexander. He counts $13 million on the cap because of that, that uh, first round guaranteed, all guaranteed salary. All of that you can wipe away. You can make it be a million dollars plus the bonus. So it's probably going to be, you know, eight or nine or something. There, there are ways to, to fudge it a little bit. You can lower that number. All right, now you've got a little bit more cap flexibility. Extend Devontae Adams if you can. Cool. They have some room that they can also carry over. What kind of contract is Big Bob Tunyon going to want to get? TBD on that. But that is an interesting question for sure. So those are the big, those are the big moves. You know, maybe, maybe Mercedes Lewis retires and that saves you two, a couple, two, three million. Um, you know, maybe Mason Crosby retires and that saves you a couple, two, three million. You know, Dean Lowry, who knows what the situation is there. Um, he's going to count 4 million on the cap in dead cap if you cut him, but he also would save you a little less than 4 million if you cut him. Maybe that is a June one. Uh, and, and you save a little bit of money that way. It's tight. I'm not going to lie. It's tight. Um, it has been, it has been framed as though it is going to be a bloodletting and that all of a sudden, you know, the world is going to be over and that the Packers aren't going to have anyone and it's going to be rebuilding time. That's not true. That's not true. These things can, these things can, can be fixed pretty, pretty quickly. Um, and we expect the cap to go up. So who knows? Maybe the cap goes up by more than expected. And all of a sudden, you know, they've got upside of, of what's going on here. So all of this uh, is workable, but that's not to say that there aren't challenges as well. Uh, also, my favorite David Fincher movie, probably seven, but Social Network is right there. Fight Club, another good one. A lot of Gone Girl I really enjoyed. So, I mean, David Fincher, he's awesome. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. We will, of course, be back next week with a lot more talking about family night on Monday. And then preseason opens. Preseason opens. Packers playing football against another team. It's going to be fun. So come hang out with us. Tell a friend about Locked on Packers. We haven't had... Uh, any of the, uh, you know, make a friend Mondays or phone a friend Fridays, but you know, let someone in your life know if they're not listening to locked on Packers, uh, they should change that. And if you want to hit me up on the locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay locked on Packers.